The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. As we um, head into winter, we're both on uh, we're both on new fitness drives so that we may continue to photograph our mammoth weddings. Kevin, keep up with the young ones. But but Kev, you're you're finding it difficult to find the the perfect cardio machine, and and lifting the coffee cup in the gym cafe doesn't count, no matter how many times you do it. <laughs> You've tried everything in the gym. You've tried uh, the running machine, but that's not good for your knees. No. Nope. You've tried the elliptical. Um, it's called the elliptical workout, isn't it? The uh, what do they call it with the, with the Step. arms? Uh, not not stepper, no elliptical. No, like there's cross 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 train cross trainer. Yeah, 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 yeah. That you don't like that. No. Good for your joints, though, Kev. That one. I know. But anything where I dictate the pace doesn't work. Right. Has to be. <laughs> has to be something that's. Well, in that know, case, if I, I, if I stop doing something, I right. get flung off. Right. So you don't want to dictate the pace of your exercise? No. Easy. I'm going to put you on child reins, attach you to the back of the Kia, and I'm going to drive off. Kev's little feet running after me. Stop, Neil, stop. Well, you don't want to dictate it, Kev. We're going 20 miles an hour. So you don't like those, and you're not very very keen on using – and this is really good. In in our gym, it's the – you can tell I've not been on it for months, but the the, – no, I don't mean the step away, step up and down. No. I, mean, I mean the stair the, mill where the stairs the moving stairs yeah. yeah now it's not like walking upstairs entirely because a little bit of the work is being done for you in that they're moving down while you move up so i think i think there's something like 25 percent less stairage about it or some sort of figure I, I actually like that machine but it's in the room with all the gorillas and i don't like going in the gorilla room <laughs> with all the grunting and moaning and preening is and that then, why they call the big macho room in your place the gorilla they, room they grunt and they preen and then they stop and they look at themselves in the mirror and they, you know, they pull some fleas out of their hair and they <laughs> eat a little bit of earwax and then they get back onto their grunting and groaning. Are we back at the photography show now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you won't go in that. And in the gym just up the road, which now is closed, and I'm not surprised with this policy that it has, they used to have a sign above the door that that machine was in with, you're quite right, it was with all the grunting and groaning machines as well. It just said, no girls allowed. Oh, my God. I know. Really? Can you believe that? And no, we are we are only <sighs> going back about 10 or 15 years. Good job they're closed. I know. I know. I know. Just, just one of the reasons I moved to the family gym. Double, double the price, half the grunting. And I do remember, actually, muscles would give people disapproving looks if you didn't look like you should be in that room. What? what one of them sort of suggested my name should be should be on a uh, on a uh, on a sign too. I tell you what, Kev, we no doubt have had our names added. Terrible. Mm, but but really, behind the scenes, we used to we used to mock that sign. Male and female members, we'd give it the look it deserved, Kev. That's yeah. terrible, Muriel. Well, no Muriel was allowed. The Fuji cast. That that would <laughs> that would be a rule. But yes, it closed down. I did always think because it had plenty of female members. That um, it was a misplaced joke, very misplaced. It was exceptionally misplaced. Anyway, the building's misplaced now. It was taken over by another company. So uh, no, I think that one was knocked down. No, that one was knocked down. There we go. That's how misplaced it was, Kev. Anyway, welcome to the FujiCast. Another week, another dollar, another um, cent, another pound, another euro. Here we are again, taking your questions that you can send in to click at FujiCast. .co.uk um, or you can of course send them via the, the Facebook group Kev does those ones or indeed you can send them via the patron link if you are, are one of our, our patrons second week, second part, concluding part of the Pete, Peter Dench interview which is really good Kev, I really enjoyed your chat with Peter 
<laughs> Not as much as I did. It's no. great fun. <laughs> I would imagine. And um, and we have a book of the week as well, of course, as always. What, what, what is your... It's normally a tome of the week, isn't it? Your... Well, actually, it, this week it's not. It's oh. uh, it's more of a... a it's more of a um, novel come photo book. It's uh, Hold Still by Sally Mann. Hold Still? A memoir. <gasps> wow. So, Sally uh, Mann's memoir. Brilliant. Fantastic. Have you been reading it? Well, obviously you have. You've been reading it. I've read a little bit oh, of it. Oh, God, we're on for a long one today. Kev's a bit tired, <laughs> by the way, as well. <laughs> yeah, I've read a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, no, this, so Anna McCarthy was showing me this over Zoom and her version of it is all dog-eared with notes and like um, post-it notes and all that kind of stuff, which is how a book should be. I like books like that. Yeah. yeah. My uh, my Henri Cartier-Bresson book is full of notes at the side from the photographer that had it before. And it reminds me of, uh, do you remember the school books? that used to mm. Shakespeare books that have stuff written down the side. Although we mm. often used to have stuff written down the side for Mr. Norris that would say off or stuff. Like that. Well, it does really funny because today on the way to school today, I was taking Albert to school and he was asking me what I used to like in school, what le- what I did for GCSEs in school or A-levels or what I can't remember. Anyway, I, anyway we got talking about, it. I did English language and English literature. Yeah. And he couldn't quite understand. He was like, well, "What? See, there's two different Englishes." And I was like, "Yeah, one's one's kind of the study of novels and stuff, yeah, and one's yeah. the study of the language." Yeah. And that reminded me, we did um, Divine Comedy. We did all kinds of stuff. You know, he was like, well, "I want to do computers," and mm. I was like, "Yeah, so that's what I did as well." But yeah. then we also did these things. But anyway, yeah. uh, the reason why I was remembering that is because I still got my copy of Divine Comedy somewhere. It's a, oh. it's a Dante. Yeah. It's like a big poem by Dante. Yeah. And uh, and it's it is all dog-eared and noted and written on and everything, uh, very very complicated thing that was. But but yeah, and and that's what I want. My hold still by Sally Mann. I want to be like that by the time I finish it. Are you writing in it as well? I will be. Yeah, it's, it's, this isn't something. I'm, this isn't a book for sticking on the bookshelf and pulling out every now and again. This is something to take to bed with you and jot down on. Hmm. I like that idea. Makes it more personal to you as well. Right. Questions. Let's start. Who's going to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Go on, um, Peter, so this is from the Facebook group, uh, questions for the show thread, and uh, the latest one came in 17 hours ago, and this is from Peter Kaspergen. Right. Uh, he says, hi, gents, congrats again on 200 great episodes. Here's a question from your longtime listener and moderator from the Netherlands. Oh. As a wedding photographer, I know we are there to capture moments, especially yeah. those moments that are particularly emotional for the couple or their guests. However, being only human, I have found myself missing shots every now and then because I got caught up in the emotion of the moment myself. Yeah. Have you ever experienced any moments where you have had to dry your own eyes and know you had missed great shots because of it? Absolutely, yes, is my answer to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so- I, the simple answer, sausage. I think, is that Peter's switched to Sony, hasn't he? So he's probably missing quite a lot of shots. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you want to get the uh, the Fuji emotional filter on. That's what you want. Yeah. Isn't there a switch now? <laughs> That's you've, got a fun- you've got a function button on the top. Function button. Press that one. Emotion. It's a, it's a special one that us ambassadors get. Nobody else gets. Oh, it's just under no Acros R. <laughs> it's, called, it's called a motion filter. <laughs> but he's, he's right, though. You do sometimes, I think, as yeah. an observer, you, you occasionally think, oh, I'm supposed to be taking pictures. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it does happen. I, I I I can't say that I've I've kind of missed. I mean, obviously I've missed shots, plenty of shots for for various reasons. But I I can't say I've missed them specifically because I've been too tied up in the moment. I have, uh, you know, kind of shed a tear behind the camera and all that kind of stuff. But I do generally keep going, keep shooting. One thing though, I don't. 
if it's a, a you know if they're talking about uh, you know the death of the father or whatever something really really oh yeah, yeah. very privately emotional Stuff I don't flaws. take pictures of that do not okay well I no. do actually yeah that's uh, yeah no I would I would carry on at that moment although I'd be subtle with it but I I do think they're they're an essential part of the uh, the day aren't they yes but then I think those memories you know those emotions are always with them and I think my job um, is to you know, to, to give them a happy memory of the day. I don't, I don't really want them flicking through their wedding pictures and then, and then suddenly being plunged into the depths of sadness. Well, aren't you missing a bit of this? I mean, I, probably my most important signature image is of the, uh, of the, the mother with the daughter with her hand out to mum's cheek, uh, comforting her because they're talking about their father who, who had passed away just a couple of months before the wedding. And to me, that that's such an important image, but if I'd have been concerned about worrying them because it was a sad memory, I would never have taken that picture or made that True. picture. But but what do you think they, and it is a wonderful picture, but what do you think goes through their mind whenever they see that picture? Well, without sounding like a contrarian, which I'm going to, it's one of the bride's favourite pictures from that wedding. Mm, fair enough. But, yeah, but I mean, Yeah, but you are right. I suppose if you've got a lot of pictures of one particular moment, then that can be tricky. But often those speeches are, you know, about people that are lost and aren't there. I mean, it's it's one of the key features often of of, um, of the speeches, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And, and you know, they nearly always do a, you know, a, a toast to absent friends and all that kind of stuff. And that's fine. You know, it's, it's just when it's, you know, it's like a, a very recent thing or yeah. very, very hugely emotional. Yeah. As it's based on sadness, then I typically um, don't do it. Well, what are the other moments then, Kev, that... Uh, Sometimes have have you have you by the trossacks where you think oh I, I'm not quite sure I can photograph that. Uh, no, I don't think there's any that I don't don't really photograph. I mean, apart from that, those kind of things. Um, I you know I love it when you know you see dad and the the daughter and all that kind of stuff in a yeah. proper yeah. you know you've done yeah. well embrace all that kind of stuff. I like you know the dad speeches generally can be a yeah. bit teary. Um, old people, old people are great. You know. Um, mostly because they don't move around a lot, so it's really easy to get pictures of them. Um. <laughs> don't you feel, though, when the bride comes in in the morning, or, or rather the father comes in the morning, if it is a father-daughter moment, uh, and uh, he he is completely still when it comes to any emotion? I always, feel, I always look at the bride and feel slightly sorry in some respects because I'm thinking, just, you know, just tell her she looks fantastic. Um, the other, I found myself doing that the other day. I, he came in and he was a lovely bloke, but he gave no emotion to her. And I, I looked at her um, and I thought, oh, you, re- you really want the emotion, don't you? And he's not providing it. So I, I felt not duty bound because she did look fantastic, but I felt that I should say something before I left for the church. I said, you look absolutely amazing. Do you, do you ever wonder, I rarely do those things now because I'm usually gone. Um, right. Occasionally it happens if it's in the, you know, the same location and everything. Yeah. And I, my pictures of those um, times are usually pretty poor because I hide. I li- I'm behind a, co- a wardrobe or I'm something because I've found over the years that, you know, especially if it's a, a setup moment by the, the um, wedding planner or something, right? You stand there, dad's going to walk in, photographer, you go over the bride's shoulder, Oh, I don't, the dad, yeah. first thing dad sees is you with a camera pointing at him or us I should say and that will kill all emotion dead you know that's that's what I feel happens so I, I typically if I'm there I'm usually somewhere where 
he's never going to see me when he first walks in. Well, you are you are right, actually, Kev, that, that your presence, uh, I don't mean you as in you, but our presence, no, I mean our, our, our presence can can affect that moment. You are, yeah, you're absolutely right about that because there are those moments where Dad walks in and looks straight at you and thinks, oh, better go into pose mode. You are right. Yeah. I don't think that happens an awful lot. And I, I have had, if I get the opportunity, and it's rare that, that I do, but if I get the opportunity and I'm outside the room and I see Dad, I say, for heaven's sake, Dad, just look at her. Don't look at me when you come in the room. But uh, it's rare that you get that opportunity, as, as you're right. I mean, often it's set up, isn't it? Somebody says, and uh, yeah, and, and that, those moments, it, it could be tricky. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, anyway, but yes, I mean, that, that, some of those moments are amazing and then some of them aren't. But, um, you know, I think generally, overall, yeah, emotion is an important part of the day. And, uh, you know, we, we all photograph it in different ways. We all react to it in different ways. Um, I put my little uh, Fuji ambassador filter on for emotions, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 Peter, yeah, Peter won't have that in his no. camera. <laughs> Do you have a divider for that? Surely you don't want to damage your your. Yeah, I divide my emotions up easily. I'm very good at that. Yeah, Gemma <laughs> okay. tells me that all the time. <laughs> uh, right, Ted Strang. Hello, Kev. Hello, Neil. Sorry, this isn't a handwritten mail this time. Oh, did Ted send yes. a? Yes, Ted was did, the one who sent us a letter. Yeah. Yes, I've sold all equipment. Oh, that's it. The end. Next question. No. Bye-bye. I'm paired down to a Fuji X-T2 with 35mm f2. And for backup or special occasions, stroke locations that the bigger camera wouldn't be allowed, a Fuji X-F10. I've never thought of a Fuji X-T2 with a 35 as a big camera anyway, really. But what do you guys think about one camera, one lens type of fun? and personal photography. I understand for paid work you need to have more, but I, I plan on just the X-T2 with a 35mm f2 for the next while, maybe next year, from Ted in Wisconsin. I think it's, I think it's a great idea. I, I For my photo walks, I just take... Well, I was just taking out the, um, the X100. I, I seem to have let into the bag now an X100, the X-Pro1, and a film camera. You growing your beard? My beard? Yeah, you're going to get oh, a big hairy yeah, beard. For the, for the, yeah, yeah. I've bought some tweed. I tell you what, Kev, you can't buy tweed trousers for love nor money. <laughs> you have tried to buy some tweed. I have no black tweed trousers. I just want woolly black trousers for the winter. That's all I want. I'm not asking for much. Black trousers. I went into the suits company in Newbury, and there's a guy that's been there years, and I said, have you got any black trousers that are wool? And he said, <laughs> like I'd asked him if I could steal his family or something. Are they impossible to find? Does nobody make woolen black trousers anymore that might chafe a bit, but but are very warm? Yeah. I don't know. I don't wear woolen clothes. I don't. Yeah, oh, no, I don't, I don't know. Mean, well, I, I mean, don't tweedy know. kind of thing. I mean, you can buy green tweed, blue tweed, brown tweed, green tweed, but you can't buy black anyway. Pass. That wasn't what the question was about. One one camera, one lens type of fun. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, if it's for fun, do whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, crack on. Thirty five. The F2 is a really nice small lens, good for portraits, good for uh, stepping back, a bit of context, no distortion. X-T2 is, yeah, smallish camera, small, smaller, well, it's a small camera, but not as small as the XF10. Uh, it's not going to slip into your pocket, but yeah, no. good, enjoy. One, one Fujifilm camera with one lens for you, though, what would it be? I mean, uh, for me, it would be the X100 23mm. If we're talking about fun personal photography and getting out there, because 35 would equate to a 50mm. Um, nifty 50 and will be a tad too close i think for me well if i i always think situations like this what do i take if i'm going to the rugby with the boys or something like that i normally take my x70 um 
So yeah, X70 would probably be the one I'd reach to for a purely, you know, doesn't matter about the pictures, fun day out. Yeah. Um, it would be that, but yeah, X100 as well. Yeah. I wouldn't be thinking about any of the uh, interchangeable cameras. No. Of course, with the X100V and F, but could you do this with the Ford with a digital zoom on it? Mm-hmm. Was it on it on the F? Mm-hmm. That's when it first came out. Oh, do you know? I don't think I ever used it on the F. Yeah, found it on the V so, and thought, right? "Oh, this has changed my life." Yeah, I'm sure that was. I'm sure it was on the F. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Right. Facebook. Yes. Luckily, Facebook is still working. <laughs> How did you deal with the the fact it went down for six hours? Did you run around the the room screaming? Uh, well, I was actually, I was on my way to judo, funny enough. And um, and normally there's like a judo WhatsApp group. And normally the people who are going say they're going and they're not going and everything. And uh, and that was, you know, deadly silent. And I and I, I realised when I got there, I got to Sirencester that I hadn't had any pings or pongs in my car, you know, and nothing had been going beep, beep, beep at me as I was driving no. along. No. And then uh, and then I realised something was down, looked on the BBC News. Because, you know, initially I thought, oh, my phone's knackered. It's, you know, the reception's yeah. gone or something. Yeah. And then uh, I looked on the BBC News, and that was working, and then I saw the article. So, yeah, it was fun, funny, wasn't it? Ten, um, ten million complaints, apparently, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it was. it's more serious. That, you know, there was a lot of people on Facebook going, oh, no, you know, well, the teenagers are having to learn how to read a book, yeah. etc. I'm not afraid you I know, was a bit like that. Says the people yeah. writing on Facebook, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, about yeah, their yeah. teenagers. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then and there was a whole load of uh, a whole load of comments on social media about yeah. uh, you know what will the influencers do now? They've got no money coming oh, God, in. Have you just described exactly, on exactly, Facebook. exactly what I said? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I know, but it's you know, it's it's like you know, you're the ones using it. Yeah. <laughs> if you, yeah, I know. If you, yeah. if you've got a problem with it, don't use it. The serious part of it, though, is that there's a lot of other businesses that are um, that have their access tied to Facebook. Ooh, so ooh. a lot of a lot of applications, ooh, yeah. um, you know, like my my to do application and everything. My logon is via Facebook. I mm. log in log into it via Facebook. I can get into that. Does to do have to be Facebook logged in? No, 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 no. Right. You can choose. You know, most places these days, most most um, uh, software services yeah. um, things will give you an option. You know, you can register online. You know, put your name and address and email, password, all yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you can just log in using Facebook or, or your Microsoft account or Google account. I'm, I'm kind of surprised how you place all that faith in Zuckerberg. I mean, I mean, appreciating your reticence with, uh, well, about Apple, for example, having a kind of closed loop when it comes to IT infrastructure. And in, in that you don't like any tech hierarchy to wield such power over data that's yours. You, you seem happy for the Zook to be your gatekeeper, though. No, I have no problems with that. And I, I don't always use the face. I actually generally I'll use the Google one if it's an option, but some of them are tied up to the Facebook one. Right. Okay. Um, or, you know, if it, it, less likely is the Microsoft account login. Yeah. If that's there, then I'll use that. Then Google or Facebook. I don't have any, listen, you know, it's not like I'm, it's not my bank details or anything like that. I have no, no problems with, with that whatsoever. Um, I remember a long, 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 long time ago when I was doing web development. Um, this uh, this idea first came about. Facebook was was kind of on the line on the on the, you know a few years old at this point. Yeah, and then this um, this big movement came where you know they were using um, kind of uh, what, what they call handed over security, and you know that the whole the, the whole of the web development industry were like, what the you can't you can't be handing security between websites like that. What a ridiculous thing. And then uh, fast forward a few years, and uh, <laughs> that's basically everything yeah, yeah. is done that way, you know. Yeah. Uh, and for a reason, because it makes things a lot, lot quicker and a lot easier. If you had to, if you had to register 
unused LastPass or FirstPass or mSecure in my case for you know password management all of the time. You know, I tell you what, it's better it's better to have something like Facebook or Google credentials as long as your credentials are are um, secure than just thinking, oh, I can't be bothered to register a new one and then using the same password for loads of different websites. Yeah, isn't that the That's point of la- LastPass, though, that, and, and other services like yeah, that, where you, don't, great. Where you yeah. can have a real sort of mixture of letters and numbers and characters and, and But stuff. they still reckon over 90% of people use the same password when they're registering for things, and they, you know, oh, I can't be bothered. I'll, I'll change it Well, even time. if you've got LastPass? Well, wow. no, 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 not only a small percent of people right. use those things, don't they? But mm. most people just type in the password mm. into the password box, mm. um, you know, and, 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 and also most of them just leave it up to their web browser to remember the passwords, Yeah, you know, which is handy. Yes. Of course it's handy. I, st- you know, I do, I go to mine and click the thing. It says, here's your password and stuff. But if you haven't got that written down or in, in LastPass or mSecure or something like that, and then your web browser, the cache goes, or you need to format your computer or whatever, <laughs> You're stuffed. Yeah, the amount of people yeah. that will be like, uh, I have to reset my password and then I'll go back and put the same one in again that I've used since I was 12. Then it says you can't use the same one you've used since you were 12. And then you just add a, an exclamation mark at the end or something like that, you know. Do you still use, do you still use <laughs> Kevin Loves Gemma for everything? Yeah, 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 yeah. I changed it recently, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, what was the question anyway? Uh, I can't remember. What was it? Um, well, I think we just went to, to Facebook. Facebook. Oh, no, we went to Facebook. Question, I don't, I don't think we actually pulled one from Facebook. Um, so yes, that was right. One it more. Wasn't. One more before the uh, before your chat with. Uh, I know. I think we might have time for two, but before your chat with Peter. All right. Well, this is uh, this is quite a long one, so maybe it is only time for one. Uh, Emily, Emily Rennie. Morning, peeps. Another question for Kev Neal. All one word. There we go. Oh. We've become a uh, brand a thing. Kev Neal. Uh, how do you how do you communicate to your target market that photography should be considered as a luxury service, such as a personal chef fine dining and not a Friday night let's have a pizza equivalent? Uh, is it purely down to branding, or is there a way that we can communicate that more literally on websites and Instagram? Uh, it does go on for quite a while, so I'll summarise a little bit. And uh, Emily says, "Not this is not for weddings because she's 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 happy with her price point for weddings and yeah. her, her market, um, but family stuff is uh, where she's trying to to move a lot of her business to." But actually, she's having a real problem in trying to educate people that it's a luxury service. It is difficult with, I think it's far more difficult with portraiture than, than weddings to market that as a, a luxury service. When I think there's a lot more, it seems to me there's a lot more people out there that are throwing 50 quid vouchers out, and, and which makes the luxury thing harder to, I mean, there's some photographers, I'm looking at some of the metropolitan photographers in, in particular, that that have managed to do it. I think of the um, the Canon ambassador Helen Helen Bartlett. Helen Bartlett. Yes, she's managed to do it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's a tricky one, that isn't it? Because even if you've got your own emotional filter that you've got, Kev, um, if, even if you've got your emotional filter that you've attached that to your website, I think I, I think is it harder for people to fall in love with family pictures than wedding pictures in an emotional way? Well, uh, yeah, I think you're right. And Helen is a really good example because yeah, yeah, she uh, is. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm I'm wrong when I say that Helen's been doing fam- documentary family photography for uh, quite a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so she was probably around before the voucher and voucher and all those kind of uh, Groupon type things came along, which probably, and I, 
I'm really only guessing here, so I might be totally off the mark. Probably means she's got a, a pretty solid client base, referral market. Um, you know, I know she does a lot of re- repeating work for certain clients and stuff, mm. which is great. Mm. So I think you're right about the things like Groupon and stuff have really hit that kind of marketplace. Although that, you know, you, that's also there for weddings. You go into Groupon, you'll see wedding photography on Groupon. Yeah, that's true. Um, again, this isn't really specifically aimed at Emily at all, not at all, in fact. But I do think that the way that you come across on your website is and Instagram is really, really super important if you're aiming for higher end clients. Um, you know, you've 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 sent you've said before, you know, don't you know the word awesome and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. and sometimes you look at websites and you know they're they're almost caricatures. It's rather than uh, you know, an aspiring brand and aspiring thing that I really, really want this. I'm going to save up my family, you know, for my family shoot. It, it can sometimes come across, the message can sometimes come across as a little bit slapdash. And yeah. um, so that's, that's really important. And that also goes through with, with Instagram. And I mean, I don't really do stories on Instagram and stuff like that, but some of the stories I see on there are not very brand, not very on brand. That's probably the best way. To okay. Go. Right. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, if you look at something like I don't know, Tiffany's, right? The the, the jewellery place. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you look at their brand, their stories, their everything. Of course, they do all these things, but it's all very, very much on brand. It's all very much about aspiration. Mm. Um, now, that doesn't mean that everybody has to do that and everybody has to aim for that kind of marketplace. You know, it doesn't at all. But if you are, then I think you've got to go in, you know, you, you've got to go right in up to your... Um, <laughs> you've got to go all the way up to the top of your legs. <laughs> Is that an official branding statement? I'm yeah. in all the way up to the top of my legs. Oh, I'll say it. You've got to go in <laughs> your branding. <laughs> I've reintroduced the, uh, the 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 bleeping machine. <laughs> it didn't last uh, long. It had to come back. Um, one one of the interesting things about uh, so if you're looking for is it an aspirational market or a posh market? What do we should we just call call it posh market for a second? Now I know that Emily works. Um, a lot well her work is a documentary uh, stance mm-hmm. isn't it that's what mm-hmm. she enjoys doing that's what she loves that's what she presents so in terms of brand that's spot on isn't it but but let's just flip this on its head for a moment and, and muse over whether the branding uh, feel for the high-end market in this genre is possibly different to what you're currently shooting because if you think about this i mean there have been certain trends in the portrait market and I'm removing documentary for a moment just to illustrate my thoughts here, Kev. But if I, if I were to go into a high-spending, high certain type of aspirational or, let's call them, well-heeled client, and I were to look at the pictures on their, their grand piano in the large, well-appointed living room, I bet I wouldn't find high-key, high-street studio hugs and giggles. I'd, I'd be more likely to find beautiful black and white, more formal portraits, perhaps shot, I don't know, environmentally, but by the water feature in the rear grounds, yes, but but never, nevertheless more more formal in nature. And and so it's just, just a thought, but do you perhaps miss a trick by by not having at least an element of it or, or that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you're always going to get people who, who have different tastes and everything. But regardless, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're aiming for documentary or whether you're aiming for portraiture or whatever. 
And it's not even about affluence, is it? It's no. just about making sure that your services are justified, justify their cost. Um, or your branding yeah, justifies we've, justifies we've the cost. kind of come away from Emily's question in some respects, so I apologise for that. Yeah, but you're... Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think it's all related. But yeah, but yeah I mean, it, ultimately, I think that's it. You know, you're... The utopia, and which is pretty rare, but the utopia is that you know some you you, you have a, a reasonably high price on your website, and somebody yeah. comes along and just goes, "Yeah, I really like those pictures, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pay for that service." But they're unlikely to do that if they're not totally brought into the brand as well mm. um, somehow, mm. uh, you know. And and you know, of course, it's not going to be a hundred percent, but you don't want to be um, kind of you you know. The social media speak, the way that we all operate online, you know, things, uh, uh, talking about the Facebook downing yesterday, I, I went on Twitter. Uh, I actually go on Twitter quite a lot. I quite like Twitter. Well, Facebook wasn't and down yesterday, Kev, as well, was it? I didn't notice that. Twitter wasn't down. No, Twitter was great. So Twitter actually put a tweet up. Oh, right. Okay. And the tweet said, the tweet said, welcome to Twitter, literally the whole world. <laughs> which was really funny. Yeah, yeah. And then Instagram replied to that, which is quite funny as well, obviously, because Instagram was down. Uh, anyway, but, um, uh, you know, so what you do get on Twitter is a, a, uh, a peek into the personalities of people that I think sometimes you don't see on things like yeah, Instagram. Yes. You do on Facebook, but yeah. on Instagram. Um, well, you learn you see a lot of you anger, learn, yeah, you see a lot yeah. of political opinion, Politics, you see a lot of yeah. sports yes, opinions, yeah. and and personality is important. But you know, you don't want to be, you, you you mustn't, you don't want to be Gerald Ratner. You know, I always say that in my workshops. Don't be the new Gerald Gerald Ratner. Yeah, well, we'll put a link up to the Gerald Ratner story for context for those that that don't live in the UK. But that's the kind of thing you know you can you can slip of the tongue on Twitter. And, uh, you know, where you go and, and, yeah. and also, you know, with this, this thing about, um, kind of higher worth clients, they're not going to be on Facebook. Those people, not very often, no. um, many of them won't be on Instagram, but a lot of them will be on Twitter, you know, because that's, that's, you know, that's the kind of business to business news sharing, um, that kind of thing. So, you know, just, just be a little careful. Well, that's that, why I, I think, yeah, that's when you use your, your, your platform as well, because you think, right, I need a bit more business in December and January. So you do you go on and, and if, if if for example you're a member of a particular uh, or, or a, you're you're represented as a supplier by a particular venue that have good Facebook presence, that's the time to go on and, and offer some fantastic offers using Facebook because you know you're not going to be um, you're not going to be doing damage to your brand by putting it on your website or Twitter or something like that. You're putting it on one particular place which is known for, for being reasonably good for that kind of marketing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, everything has its place. Yeah. Whatever you do, don't be going on Twitter and abusing DPD or, you know, DHL. Oi, DHL, your service is rubbish. I've been waiting for something for three weeks and it ain't turned up. Yeah. That's probably the kind of thing you should be doing in direct message or, or you can you can privately send tweets to DHL. Yeah, but but other, other grievances with uh, other companies are well documented, of course, on that platform, just for balance. But I, I think what we're saying here is don't uh, air your dirty laundry or whatever the expression is. But um, it's an easy thing to do, Kevin. <laughs> done it myself. Right, let's rescue ourselves. Peter Dench, part two. This week, what is and isn't there for the shooting photographically on the streets? But we start with the British photojournalist talking to our Kev here about his memories of a particular feature where he diarised his life for all to read. At times, humorously I might add, uh, airing his laundry. 
I do sometimes. I, I all of those issues of um, professional photography magazine, a professional photographer magazine that uh, that I wrote for. I, I I kept every one of them that I was published in, and I do sometimes flick through, and uh, and I always fall on the the Dench Diaries, and uh, I, I do read through them. And and you're right, actually, what you said at the beginning, it was it was like a window into your world, and it wasn't always. Uh, you know, sometimes it was it was pretty close to the bone, wasn't it? Some of the stuff you were talking about. So it was it was good. It was good between the lines storytelling. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why why we should be honest, shouldn't yeah. we? I mean, if, if students, are, if I'm giving a talk and you know, people ask, you know, what do you earn? What did you get for that? You know, why? Yeah. Why not tell the truth? Yeah, no, absolutely, hundred percent agree with you. There is there is a lot of smoke and mirrors in the industry, and it's it's nice to uh, nice to be be honest and truthful. So one of the other questions that we get asked a lot, or I get asked this a lot, because I do I do a lot of street photography, but it's just personal street photography. And the question that comes up pretty much all the time is, well, are you allowed to take pictures of strangers doing strange things in a strange place and use those pictures? Uh, and of course, so you know where I'm going with this. So, you know, your, your books, some of your books are, um, I think they're brilliant, absolutely, especially things like Alcohol in England and the British Abroad and everything. Is there a rule on that? Is there, you know, do you have to ask their permission? Is it, is it just a case of turning up with your press pass and, and making a wonderful story, which I think are amazing? Uh, you know, is there any comeback? Do you ever get any issues when you're shooting? What's, what's the gig there? <laughs> that's a that's a whole other Fuji cast, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's a lot lot to process there. Um, I mean, I hope my work doesn't come across as sneering. You no, know, um, definitely not. Because the people in alcohol in England and the British abroad, they're quite familiar to me, largely. You right. know, these are kind of characters I grew up with, scenes that I saw, places I went holidays I went on um so you know so that was my kind of how I was shaped to, to see the world so yeah I go there with familiarity I think um I don't I try not to ask permission uh, I mean obviously if you going into a venue okay the, so the two ways I approach it is you know I'll try and get access to a, a club or a bar beforehand um, because that just takes the pressure off and it just makes sense. Um, yeah. So if you've got the permission of the, the property owner to be there um, as a accredited member of the press, that's usually one way round, you know, what I need to do. And it just, it's a protective cloak if you've already got access. That's 80% of the, you know, the grief, um, you know. So once you're in, you're in. And on the streets, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I, You've, we've met, you know, hopefully I'm not confrontational. No, um, sometimes I wear a cardigan. That usually helps. I've got no tattoos. I don't wear football colours. I don't wear religious insignia. So I'm not threatening or imposing who I am on the people I'm photographing. So I tend to blend quite quickly. Um, I tend to chat, you know, get accepted into a situation um, and just start making pictures. Sometimes it takes an hour. Other times it will be immediate. So I've never been sued. Um, people have tried. Uh, people have tried to report me to the Press Complaints Commission. But you know, as long as the work that I'm doing is used editorially, you know, mm. as soon as I want to use uh, one of my pictures as an advert for Daz or Peroni or, you know, 
other yeah. beverages and washing powders are available, then I'd need to get model releases, uh, which is a discipline I don't have. Um, you know, it's it's very difficult, as you know, if you're mm. you know shooting a, in a documentary style or street photography style, to suddenly stop, interrupt the scene, and ask for someone's signature. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, you know, I still feel. I try to respect who I'm photographing, so I, I photograph quite close. You know, I want to be able to respond to them if they they talk to me. You know, I want to be able to sort of smell them, hear them, you know, observe them. And I think you can be more respectful if you're close uh, rather than you know with a zoom lens, sort of twenty meters away. Yeah, and actually, your work definitely doesn't give that idea of uh, you know paparazzi on the sidelines kind of shooting from a distance you know you do get a sense of being there be, you know being another person of that uh, scene whatever's happening in front of you you're you're just another set of eyes there effectively um so yeah you know you that really definitely comes across in the in the pictures i think uh, thank you I, I used to call the zoom lens the aging snapper's walking stick but now <laughs> but, but now i am an aging snapper um so i do use you know a, a, a 28 to 200 um quite a lot and you know just so i don't have to walk as far but <laughs> so yeah. so on on that point you're you use olympus kit at the minute right i do yes yeah. so is that um has that migration from film probably via dslrs to uh you know mirrorless smaller cameras has that helped you a lot on the journey do you think oh absolutely yeah i mean yeah i was a, I was a perhaps a, like a proper fool when, when I started out. Um, you know, I would only use, so I should, first 10 years I shot exclusively on mi medium format Mamiya's and I would only use the equivalent of a 35mm lens because I thought that was how proper photojournalists operated. <laughs> and then I guess in 2007 um, when the budgets disappeared and, you know, digital was a necessity that there were two choices in, in my mind. It was Nikon or Canon. And, you know, the, the Canon seemed to have a video that people preferred video yeah. function. So, so I went that route and then I just got tired of wielding, you know, that big sort of piece of kit at people. And they tended to sort of respond less and less favorably when I did. So I was kind of looking to lighten the load and Olympus kind of stepped in around 2016 yeah. And you know, offered me their system, which I which I just found aesthetically more pleasing. You know, I wanted to point it at people, and they didn't seem to mind it being pointed mm. at them. So you know, I think I'd I'd still wear it round my neck, even if it didn't have the battery in. Yeah, and I and I, I feel like with uh, you know with the, things like Fujifilm, Olympus, and and you know to a certain extent even the Sony stuff, where people. People who have no idea about photography who are being photographed look at the brand names and see a small camera and think, oh, yeah, I used to, my mum and dad used to have one of them, you know, and, and I think that helps a little bit. It's not like, uh, you know, Canon and, and Nikon were, were the realms of the professionals, if you like, the big boys, you know, as you were kind of growing up. And yet people can recognize an Olympus and recognize a Fujifilm and, you know, and uh, and think, oh, yeah, 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 that, isn't that cute? He's using one of them kind of thing. <laughs> and then you can just get on with it. Yeah, yeah. As long as it captures what I see as swiftly and fuss-free as possible, you know, that's that's what I need. Yeah, uh, to get yeah. the job done. 
you mentioned then about the zooms and everything and you know i know that i i know i've got lots of friends who use olympus and you know one of the things that they say is that you know even the the zoom lenses are you know small enough to to really get on with and, and enjoy using so do you mostly use zooms now for that without going too much into te- into the technicalities of everything is that a, is that a better way for you to shoot do you think in um, I, I guess so yeah yeah so you know i'm, I'm I'm just trying to think. I should should have my camera bagged within reach, shouldn't I? But uh, yeah, I, I mentioned the one that I kind of go to, and then I've you know also got a spare body with maybe a an eighty mil equivalent on. But yeah, I still kind of keep it around the the thirty five mil, fifty mil equivalent mark if if I can. You know, yeah. all that training doesn't doesn't go away. But uh, yeah, if I if I can't physically walk to where I want to photograph, then you know it's handy. A yeah. hand option to have. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do you have a? Uh, if somebody said to you, you know, what's your favourite body of work that you've produced? Is it? Is it now, I, I remember speaking to Martin Parr, and uh, you know, I said to him, "Have you got a favourite picture?" And he he said to me that that's like asking an author what their favourite page of a novel is. Um, so so now I phrase that question as, "What's your favourite body of work rather than what's your favourite picture?" <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a brave question to ask Martin. I'm surprised he didn't march you out of uh, <laughs> the, the virtual place or where, where you were. I mean, I, I've actually just recently written a column about this. You know, after are you related to Dame Judy? That's probably the question I get asked the most. <laughs> and are you? <laughs> I'm not. Not that I know of. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping one day that we'll we'll find a connection. Um, but until then, but yeah, what's my favourite body? I mean, you know, what what makes your favourite? Is it is it the the money you earn, the pages you get, the awards you win, the mm. friends you meet along the way, the meals you have, you know, the fluffiness of the hotel pillows? All of these feed into what I consider, you know, my favourite body of work. And perhaps surprisingly, um, it's probably a set called Football's Hidden Story. Oh, Football's Hidden Stories, which is on the website, which was um, 26 stories, I think, across 22 different countries and um, documenting the impact football has at grassroots level, mm. um, you know, a- across the globe. You know, so so you know, we were looking at South Africa, Colombia, Liberia, where uh, football was helping amputees rebuild their lives you know we were looking at how football educated people in Iraq um you know about sort of mine clearance so there's a little stories you know that, that made a bigger piece of work so and it, as well as what I think are a good set of images it was just the experience you know and the the, the friends I made um mm. and you know the memories created from from that piece of work will will you know resonate with me until my till my demise Kevin yeah well you know you mentioned your website so we will obviously direct people to the website but it it is a uh, you know it's it's a rabbit hole of uh, stories and pictures and you know there's even the uh, the videos that you the presentation videos you made for like channel four on the on the brexit stuff and everything um, is a is a wonderful place. I've spent many hours just wandering around that website. Um, so here's a question for you then. Um, if you and I always ask this to people, if you could pick one person to spend one day shooting with, alive or dead, uh, who might that be? 
Oh, well, I always, I always admire the photographers who do what I don't. Um, you know, so, so here I'm thinking of Brent Sturt and mm-hmm. uh, Marcus Bleasdale. And, you know, probably my, my go-to uh, colleague, friend, companion on any shoot uh, would be Tom Stoddard. Mm-hmm. So he's alive. We'll go yes. with a live one. <laughs> uh, Good choice. Just, just because you know, when I joined an agency in, in 2000, you know, he kind of was kind enough to reach out to me uh, with advice. And, you know, I'm very fond of Tom and, and the work he produces is certainly something I can never do. Um, so I still learn from, from his archive and, you know, from, from his, what he shoots yeah, uh, now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, plus he's, he's good company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you if you asked him the same question, he certainly wouldn't say me. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely a one one way situation. Uh, yeah. Well, I think we we did have Tom on the show, and uh, I think Neil interviewed him. So I'm not sure whether he would have asked that question, but uh, but yeah, I do remember one of the quotes Tom said was that uh, you can always tell a good photojournalist by uh, if they've got muddy knees. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I I I I rip off Tom's quotes for my own sort of. Uh, use quite quite regularly yeah so okay final final kind of question then i suppose is you know, you know what, what what is it like now what what's the hardest thing about uh you know doing what you do right now is it is it harder to get commissions is it harder to get books published is it you know is the hardest part actually getting up and going shooting well you know what's <laughs> yeah these are these are these are a barrage of questions <laughs> um yeah um Swinging, I think this is a Tom Stoddard quote, actually. The hardest thing as a photographer is to keep swinging your legs out of bed, leaving yeah. loved ones behind to spend money you might not have for no tangible reward. Um, so, I, you know, I feel after, I still feel as I'm kind of creeping out of lockdown. I think our industry's been reset. Mm. Um, there's certainly been a cull. You know, I'm still feeling my way in this new world, you know, what, funding is available is there still sponsorship out there mm. you know, what matters um so yeah all of these things sort of affect you know the, the way i work and the, the way i operate so yeah that, i guess the, the toughest thing um you know, off the top of my head is it's just still momentum you know what why bother um you know, what why what you know, where where do you get your motivation from you know where i think the hardest thing is you know, I'm a jobbing photographer. I, I, I like to be paid for taking pictures, you know, because mm. I, I like to know where they're going to go. Okay, this is going to be a Sunday Times commission or this mm. is for, for Getty. Or, and, and that's kind of less and less. You have to kind of almost be halfway through a reportage or, or have finished it and then try and interest people to publish. Um, so I guess, yeah, so the, so the motivation to keep going is 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 one of the hardest things to mm. do but it's not trench warfare is it no. kevin you know it's 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 not really a problem to decide do i go out with my camera yeah. uh, and take pictures or not you know but i said i said I'll, I'll, I'll let a few weeks drift by and i might not shoot a frame and that doesn't necessarily concern me because i know the enthusiasm and the motivation will come back yeah yeah, well, that's that's yeah. I mean, I always I always think of uh, Edmund Terracopian, and uh, whenever I see him or whenever I see a picture of him, he's always, without fail, got a got a camera around his neck. And uh, you know, sometimes I think that, I, 
I just don't do that anymore. You know, I don't I don't have a camera around my neck all the time. Maybe I should. I don't know. And then, you know, and then then I kind of hear hear you say things like, you know, yeah, it takes a couple of weeks. Sometimes I might not shoot a frame and, and everybody's different, I suppose, in that respect. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you, you can learn to do that a bit more, but I, I think you can't force it. And, you know, I know similar photographers, you know, if you have a meal with them, they're still ducking around and framing a picture and they can't seem to leave it alone. But uh, you know, I like to know when I'm on the clock, you know, get off the train, the job begins, the camera comes out, yeah. the job finishes, I'll be quite happy to put it away and crack a strongbow and a, open a bag of mini cheddars and kick back on the train home. It's, it's not a drive, that, you know, I'm not sort of that itchy uh, to take pictures, I guess. Uh, thanks to uh, Peter Dench for his time with us over the last couple of weeks talking with the governor. So, if you want extra Mullins this week, be sure on Thursdays to launch IncapableStaircase.com and listen to uh, Kev's live country music show, 3.30pm UK time. But of course you can play catch-up through the website too. It's Kev's music passion and you can be a part of it at IncapableStaircase.com. We'll link to it, of course, in the show notes today. Then um, I have my own podcast on Fridays that is uh, photography-based, but with a, a real difference in that the show is, well, part out on the road and part studio-based. We call it a photo walk, and I take that walk with your letters and your ideas and your thoughts and your inspiration, and we make pictures together. And this week is a, a real special we're on a, a photo adventure on the east coast of England, in Kent. Actually, for part of it, we're 12 miles out to sea, visiting the Maunsell Armed Towers, which are still there. They've been there now 80 years and have seen many things, including a pirate radio station, an offshore HQ for the screaming Lord Such, one of our, oh, well, we could call him more colourful politicians, in the war, though, they were an altogether more sinister collection of iron and steel gun emplacements, now eerily silent, save the waves, uh, the fog, the very occasional lost gull that's wandered too far from the coast, and, uh, well, us. We'll be talking about the word story, too, and asking if every picture really is a story. We learn about the most famous darkroom possibly in the world, which is amazingly owned by one of our listeners. We talk ultra-wide angle, we talk 365s, and we hear from a special guest, Phil Melia, a professional photographer from Manchester who always seems to have an eye for a project. At the end of it, I thought, this is a, a complete stranger I've got some really nice portraits of. So I thought, well, that could be a project in itself to do in a short space of time, which was seven days, seven strangers, seven portraits. Seven portraits, yeah. That's Photography Daily wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, on photographydaily.show. Right, back to your questions. Um, these um, these two, Kev, these are going to be VQQ. Do you know what that stands for? Uh, very quick questions. Yeah, there we go. We were doing QQs the other day. What do we have? We have QQ... Uh, LQ was a long question. Well, come on, then. Otherwise, there won't be VQQs. That's uh, true. Just curious, James Thorpe says, <laughs> if either of you have ever used one of these lenses on a paying gig. Lens Baby. Lens Baby did, um, uh, there were 35 mil, 24 to 70, and all those sort of things. The five must-have lenses. So 35, yes. Uh, so we're talking in, um, in, in traditional film 35 millimetre language for a second. 35, so 23 would definitely be a must-have for you, wouldn't it? Yeah. 24 to 70? Uh, for filming. For filming you do, but not... No, yeah, okay. 24, 70. What else did they have down here? 
85 mil. Yep. So 56. Soul, mm-hmm. Soul 45. Soul 45? That sounds like a beer. Soul? Yeah. S-O-L. What does that mean? Uh, I don't know. S-O- my go- go-to wedding kit inclusions are 35, 24, 70, 85, Soul 45, and the Omni filters. Soul. S-O-L. S-O-L. S-O-L? Yeah. 45. Soul 45. But sometimes the velvet... Ah, oh, it's a lens baby. Ah, oh, right, okay. Sometimes the velvet 56 joins the ride. Now, neither of us have used lens baby, have we? No. Is there a reason for that? No, not really. I just never really thought about it. No. No, never use it. That's those things that you can twist and tilt and you can get funky effects, isn't yes. it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Like creative bokeh and all that kind of stuff. Um, no, I've never used them, but I, I know that they're very popular so people yeah. must be using them well that's why i bought my tweed trousers so that i can use one <laughs> <laughs> right so thank uh, you james no we're, we're not really big users of them but thanks for your question and then stefan carding hello from british columbia i believe i have a question that uh, you've not answered on the show before oh do your best is there a piece of kit that is well loved that you can't seem to get along with excluding ah with now it's not that you can't seem to get along without is there a piece of kit that is well loved that you can't seem to get along with. Personally, ah, I, ah, well, that's so an interesting nah, question. Yeah, it's actually not so much a QQ anymore now because this, nah. is, this has entered an, a, a new um, dimension to it. Personally, says Stefan, I can't get along with the X100 series. I tried one out when I went to switch from Sony for lighter gear. I loved everything the camera had to offer except the focal length. I much prefer a tighter focal length. I've got loads of stuff that I don't really get on with. Like what? Well, there's the bin man who comes and makes a noise on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, okay, so that question... Sli- slightly different dynamic to it now, isn't there? Yeah, so I don't have anything in my camera bag that I take that I don't really get on with. Yeah. I, 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 because originally I thought this question, as I glanced through it, was what you know what, what, what's the thing that you, you need yeah, the most in your so camera bag? Straight away I was about to say Lumi Muse. Yeah, and and I was thinking, well, I only, I literally only have in my camera bag the the cameras I need. Yeah, a couple of lenses. I'm a Lumimuse. I don't have anything else really. Yeah, apart from you know maybe a couple of uh, Mars bars and you know a bit of water or stuff. So yeah, I mean, I do have stuff in the studio that I've bought um, that's in my cupboard that I probably would never. I mean, I've got hundreds, well, not hundreds, hundreds of pounds worth of uh, flash guns and things yeah. like that that I just know that. I just don't use, well, won't I, use, won't get on with it. Yeah, I'm going to mention the flashes, that being being my nemesis, if we're talking about that piece of kit in the bag that you just can't seem to get along with, but you use. I mean, I do use flash. I use it for the cake. I use it to balance the light a bit better during portraits, particularly in the summer when the, that sun goes really low and causes all sorts of issues but but the amount of times i've wanted to throw it in the hedge i don't have i don't take anything to a job a wedding i don't take anything to a wedding that i don't get on with no nothing does that include second shooters <laughs> <laughs> i enjoyed i had um mr yeah, souls was, yeah, was uh, you, talking of soul it was a yeah. uh, second shot for me a couple of weeks ago i really enjoyed that actually. Yeah. It was nice to have somebody would there. you have more second shooters i've got a couple of bookings next year where they've paid for second shooters so yeah i will be yeah i will be dipping in i'll be asking um yeah. usual suspects james probably first and then thereafter oh has james become your go-to no i mean i had alex as well we both used alex didn't we and yeah. and uh yeah whoever's free really i mean obviously uh, you know i'm a, I'm a fan of using as you are professional wedding photographers yeah. as second shooters and, yeah. and often they're they're booked so with their own gigs so yeah. it has to be you know i think you need a little collection but I, it's rare i mean i i think i've got two next year where they've paid for second shooters i had one this year that's basically all i've ever had in terms of people who have asked for them in 
you know, 13 years. So why, why is that trend changing then, do you think? I think the reason why it's coming up more often now is because a lot of people actually offer two shooters as standard, you know, and, and you see quite a few places, quite a few websites where they, you know, they say, you know, it's important that you have two photographers, you know, one photographer can't do the job, etc. Yeah. And that's fine because that's their their marketing message, you know, and, and that's absolutely fine. And so I think that's why why I've had a few more um, and also I do now have it on my booking form is a little checkbox if they want a, a second shooter and the price of it. So, you know, there is an option for them, whereas I never had that before. So maybe people are just thinking, oh, okay, I'll tick that box. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. You know, people, some people, especially husband-wife teams and everything like that. I mean, I, I think that's, the husband-wife thing is, uh, you know, if, if you can... If you can both take good pictures yeah. and, and it gives you an opportunity to spend Saturdays together, well, I think that's a wonderful thing. Or double your money and go and work in different places. Well, yeah, do, maybe. Do, do but, half as know. many bookings and... Uh, and spending then, the time together, then, I think, is a nice thing, working together. Yeah, and then go and watch Accrington and Stanley on the weekends off instead. Talk, <laughs> talking of horses, since you mentioned it, how's yours? Accrington and Stanley? Accrington. Who are they? <laughs> Let's remember that. Adler. Oh yeah, Accrington Stanley. That's that's the one, wasn't it? Yeah. Who yeah. were they? Yeah. Um, yeah, the horse is great. Actually, I went up. I had to go and um, uh, check on them by myself the other day. Yeah, all by myself. Yeah, there's yeah. four horses up yeah. there now. It seems every time I go up, there's another one. What? Um, yeah, I had to go up and make sure that they were behaving themselves because everybody else was sick at home, sick. <laughs> I was uh, yeah, because I know the family haven't been too well. Which which mm. is you know I know I think they're on the road to recovery, aren't they now? But uh, so. All the families have been pulling that excuse, have they? Send Kev. Tell him we've got we've got a bit of a lurgy. He'll do well, all the no, horses. The tonight. other two ladies that are involved, the other two um, women that owned some of the horses up there, they one of them was away. The other one is also unwell. Oh. Was, was unwell. Why? Um, so uh, it was like Kev, can you go and uh, just you know make sure there's water and make sure they haven't escaped and yeah. you know all that. So yeah, I went up. I sat in my car, peered out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Looked all right, and then it came on. No, Kev, that's not mucking out the horses. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm not doing that stuff. Oh, right, okay. I didn't sign up for poo picking. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, let's look at book of the week then. Um, what do we have? So, this this one you readed, as you said. <laughs> well, wrong. you do read it, yeah. Um, however, I haven't read it yet, so this is more of an introduction. Um, and and the reason, as I said at the beginning of the show, the reason why I have this, I didn't even know this existed, but I was chatting to um, Anna the other day on on Zoom, as you do these days, and uh, and she had it by her side, and she, I said, oh, what's that? And she pulled it out, and it had all these like little yellow stickers and notes and everything. And I was like, no, that that is a proper proper yes. way to read a book yes not on yeah. a kindle not no. on a tablet but yep. you know physically yep. and it's a lovely lovely physical book um so it's the memoir of sally man obviously sally man um still around she's 70 years old now yeah. um american very very famous american um uh, american photographer primarily known for her kind of uh, large format black and white type stuff very iconic pictures um so the blurb of the book says um one of the best books of the year, the New York Times, Washington Post, San Francisco Chronicle, Vogue, NPR Publishers Week book page. Yeah. Oh, uh, we're reviewing it, and it says, a revealing and beautifully written memoir and family history from acclaimed photographer Sally Mann. Yeah. In this groundbreaking book, a unique interplay of narrative and image, Mann's preoccupation with family, race, mortality, and the storied landscape of the American South are revealed as almost genetically predetermined, written into her DNA by the family history that precedes her. 
Sorting through boxes of family papers and yellowed photographs, she finds more than she bargained for. Deceit and scandal, alcohol, domestic abuse, car crashes, bogeymen, clandestine affairs. Blimey. (laughs) Clandestine affairs. Uh, Dearly loved and disputed family land, racial complications, vast sums of money made and lost, the return of the prodigal son, and maybe even bloody murder. In lyrical prose and startling revealing photographs, she crafts a total, a totally original form of personal history that has the page turning drama of a great novel, but is firmly rooted in the feral, fertile soil of her own life. Feral. It's like Midsummer Murders with a camera. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so I can't really review it because I haven't read it yet. I've, I've read the first couple of paragraphs, uh, first couple of um, pages, I should say. Yeah. But just glancing through it, it's a you know it's a proper pa- it's a big book, proper book, paper hard uh, paperback book. Yeah. Um, but there's you know you this isn't about Sally Mann's photography. The photos are uh, in my mind not particularly well printed. Um, you know it's on kind of um, uh, as you would normally get in a in a kind of novel. The paper isn't you know photographic paper. But there are the pictures, there are inter, inter, interspersed, mostly text. Some of the pictures are quite small, but it really is this idea of, uh, you know, there's notes and sketches and all that kind of stuff that she's done as well, or family members of hers have done as she's been re- researching this. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, of course, so basically I'm paraphrasing Anna here, really, who says that, it, you know, it's a real she does give an insight into the way that her thought process is when she's taking pictures and all of that kind of stuff. But really it's a, a story of this, this incredible family, Um, you know, and uh, I can't, I just can't wait to, you know, to get into it. There's a, there's a bit, I'm I'm kind of glancing through a section now and it's a little bit about the, the styling of pictures, you know, and, and the reason some of it is, uh, is the reason why many of her pictures are kind of um, what they call it, tinnotyped split tone. We might call it these days, slightly warmed up and uh you know so here i just i'm just pulling over to page 197 and this is a christmas card or maybe not christmas card but in in america they have the whole holiday season don't they so it could be from thanksgiving onwards and it says greetings of the season and then the handwritten note says these are too tall for my shelves happy holidays and much love (laughs) so obviously need to read read that part around it to find out what was too tall for the shelves you know and there's snapshots like people having birthday cakes all that kind of stuff and actually one thing that it, it kind of does immediately bring to mind is that you know you see these super successful photographers and we often only ever get to see uh, their their acclaimed work but actually in here there's there's a whole load of snapshots and polaroids and all sorts from her general life i love to see stuff like that because then you think oh right okay so you are normal yeah i mean it's i think uh, like i said i can't i cannot say that i you know it's a wonderful book because i haven't read it yet but it looks amazing. Did the work, um, did the work of Sally Mann inspire you with the? Because when I look at the uh, the, the yeah. attention to detail and the and the, the wonderful time um, and pictures she's made of her family and the, the way she's documented their lives, I would imagine there's a lot of photographers. I can think of a couple straight away, but I'll, I'll include yourself in this that that probably were inspired to make their their black and their really sort of deep, um, gorgeous, contrasty black and whites of their family. In in the same sort of in the same sort of method. Absolutely. I mean, I I yeah, I've always loved the Sunny Man work. Mm. Um, always, you know, I've got lots of her books, and of course, there's a lot more. You know, her family photography is important work, but but her you know her documenting of uh, yes. predominantly the American South yes. and the history of it is is you know is 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 probably more important, I suppose, rather than the the kind of family stuff. But yeah, yeah I, I yeah, wonderful wonderful photographer. I'm really looking forward to reading that book. And you're going to fill it with post-it notes. 
I'm going to write all over it. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to write all over it. I'm going to circle things, underline things, stick pictures in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of thing I'm going to do with it. Yeah. The, I've just found another, but while you were mentioning that, I, I mentioned the Cartier Bresson one. I've, I can't find that one, but uh, it's there somewhere. But uh, the David Hearn, Bill J book on being a photographer is full of notes from a photographer that yeah. that had it before. Well, we, we reviewed that one of, uh, know, ooh, yeah. during lockdown, I think. Yeah, quite a while ago. Um, but it's made even more interesting by the fact that uh, this person has underlined quite a yeah. few parts of it. And for me, that you know, you're almost looking into another photographer's mind looking into this book, which I, I find fascinating. Yeah. Uh, good. So it's available. Yeah. Hold still, say, man. Yeah, published in 2015. So she would have been, I don't know, six, mid, early 60s at that point. Yeah. It's available from all good booksellers. Right, back to questions. Um, have we got time for... Yes, we have. Oh, we've got more than enough time, Kev. It's nowhere near last um, orders, please. So do you want to go with um, I've, I've Facebook first? I've, I've kind of got one that's sort of Facebook kind of... I, I, I sort of sent sent it to myself via email from... Uh, should we do this one? Llewellyn Annandale. Okay, and then we'll do one from Facebook because I've got a good one. All right. So realistically, this was a post that he left and he tagged us in this post but it wasn't really within the questions that you usually read out so realistically how old is too old to shoot weddings now i know we talk a lot about weddings because we are wedding photographers but of course you can apply this to many other genres as well i'm 45 i think i have a number of years ahead of me but i'm interested to hear from other photographers i know kevin and neil are way younger than me (laughs) i don't think so kev maybe not me (laughs) Um, how I'm old not, is? By the way. <laughs> oh, you're not. Oh, right. Okay. I thought you were still 38, Kev. No, I'm 40, uh, 48 now. Are you? Yeah. How did you start catching up? Are you are you romping towards me? I'm racing. Yeah, I'm taking for every one day you have, I have two. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Or the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I did English in school, not maths. You're romping. Um, so 45, 45, I mean, clearly he doesn't feel it's too old at the moment. I've noticed actually things have changed as a, uh, I've noticed it more in the last three or four years, Kev, that now I really do feel I'm, in fact, it's, it's sort of underlined by my comment a while ago when I, on this podcast, where I said, I felt I had to step in and say something nice about the bride because dad hadn't. I'm now hmm. beginning to feel like the dad. Not oh, yeah, all... we're definitely the age of the dads now. Yeah, yeah. yeah Not yeah, for all yeah. clients, because um, uh, I think uh, actually your clients, your your client's um, demo does change with you to an extent as well, doesn't it? As you as you mature, I think you start to um, you start to naturally gravitate towards people that are your age group as well. So I've I found that I, I would imagine 50 to 60 percent of my clients now are not slipper thing you know, age. I think, you know, uh, listen, Ryan Giggs was still knocking in footballs in the premiership when he was 43 or 42. So, you know, age is just a number. You can, you go until, go until one of two things happens. One, you get bored. Two, you've paid off your pen for your mortgage. And you might not even want to stop And then then stop. No, you might not want to. (laughs) Well, yeah, you may not, if you don't, yeah, if you absolutely crack on. Yeah, your projects might change. You might think, well, I don't have to be so commercial about it now, so I've always wanted to go and photograph windmills. That's what you do. Uh, I think the age thing is, I mean, obviously people, you know, you do get groans and, you know, achy bits and things like that, but Mm. that's, 
that can all be dealt with, you know, unless it's a you know a proper physical problem. Yeah, I don't think I, I honestly don't think any client well, I would like to think that no client would pick a photographer just because they were younger. Um in fact I think probably it would work the other way in most cases. You know, I think they they you know for something like that they probably maybe thinking in their mind, well, yeah, actually he's been around the block a bit, you know, maybe he's a bit more of a safer pair of hands. I don't know. I don't know what's going through their mind. But yeah, I generally don't think age is a, is a thing. As long as you're capable of doing it and you're still enjoying it and the tax man's still asking you for it, then, you know, you need to carry on. Don't well, worry. I think I think a photographer's like that photographer, you like Mel in... Um, is he Mel de Giacomo. Yeah, in New York. Now, I don't know whether he's still shooting them. It's, it, but, I don't think he is now. But he was, but he, wasn't he, quite late into... In, he in, was, he was into his late 70s, 80s, yeah. yeah he was yeah. still shooting them. Yeah, and his absolutely. work his work was great, and his eye was still on the ball when it came to all those. I mean, he, he worked strictly with a twenty four millimeter lens, didn't he? Always mm-hmm. got in close. I think it literally was one camera, one lens kind of work, and and mm-hmm. um, very in your face, wasn't it? And and yeah. superb with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one. Uh, we'll put we'll put a link to one of the B and H interviews with Mel on the um, yeah. show notes this week. It's a really good watch. And then if you look look into photographers like Bailey, still doing it. Mm-hmm. Never stopped him. No. Um, yeah. So, does does it ever bug you or worry you just just a insy tinsy bit? If if um, worry you is probably more pertinent. But if you're on a Zoom call and you think, well, they, you know, do do, do I look do I look too old or no? Because I put the filters on that give me rabbit ears and sparkles above my hair. <laughs> do you? <laughs> and that doesn't put them off. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. No, I don't. I, I generally don't worry about that. No. Um, I mean, I worry about. I don't like the thought of getting older. I, no. That's. I don't think anybody does. But I don't. I don't like that. Like, yes, of course. I wish I was. No, I don't wish I was younger. But I wish perhaps I'd done things when I was younger. Anyway, this is a very different conversation. Yeah. yeah. What age do you wish you were then, Kev? I'm happy with my age. Um, I have to say, but I wish I was perhaps one of <laughs> there's things that I did between the ages of 18 and then an age a bit later on that, right. that I wish that I'd done differently. Oh. Perhaps. Don't be rude. Yeah, I think he is being. Yeah, you get that. No, right. no, it's not, it's not about that. It's no. about, you know, just general well being. Okay. Anyway. All right. Fair dues. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> what was your really interesting question to rescue? Right, us? Garrett. Garrett Hayes yeah. uh, says, uh, great work getting to the 200th uh, episode. Well done. My question is related to photography, not necessarily Fujifilm related. Last week in our local camera club, I entered a picture of a building which had been decorated by an artist oh. depicting a pub image. Right. I took a picture of the image and with a lot of care, changed it into black and white, edited, removed a few unnecessary objects and yeah. entered the image. Yeah. To my surprise... The competition judge from another club rejected my image as he said this was just a copy of some other person's work and he did the same with an image by another photographer of a wall in Belfast. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that he did not dismiss images of public buildings and well-known moments, uh, monuments, and he did not reject these images, although I am pretty certain that the photographer had not built those buildings or monuments themselves. Is this a fair or reasonable um, observation. Should I just consider that it was his bias? Uh, your views are always worth listening to. Yeah, bias. He did put a picture of the the shot, which we will include, or we will link to the. So Facebook the concern post, was perhaps. that it it was emulating what somebody else had done. Okay, so I'll, I'll I'll explain the picture. So the picture is of a wall with a um a painting. So there's a paint a brilliant painting on a wall, right? 
right? It's just right. a wall with a painting of a pub and you've got these four or five characters having a beer downstairs. And then you have this this woman uh, peering out of the window up, up the top yeah. and a cat walking across the, the window. Oh, this sounds like timing. It's all a painting, right? Ah, it's right. all a painting. Sorry, However, Garrett has taken a photograph of the painting. Ah, sorry. Yes. So his point is that was disqualified because it was just a photograph, just in inverted quotes or air quotes, as our American friends might say, yeah. um, of of somebody else's work. Yeah. However, is not a photograph of a famous monument, for example, ah, just somebody else's, someone else's somebody work else's as well. Work. That's the yeah. point. Well, this, this is complete subjectivity, isn't it, on the part of the judge, Kev? I mean, it sound, sounds to me like they have immovable, very prescriptive ideas that uh, probably don't bend at all. They're, they're kind of in, in, entrenched by the sound of it in a belief that, you know, what what makes a picture? Yeah. This is, Kev, the kind of person I call a box placer. They they placed all their beliefs in a box, and woe betide if you, if you challenge uh, their very blinkered beliefs. Yeah, I mean, as, there's, as there's lots of different commentaries on this, I think, in that, yeah, I can see the point of view that it's a photograph of somebody else's work. Mm. However, the black and white conversion, the composition, yeah. the editing, all of that is is not that original artist's work. And, uh, y- y- you know, we're you all often see, you know, he's right, Garrett's right about, you know, the fact that the guy, the judge, I say guy, it might have been a lady, did not disqualify other pictures that were were essentially photographs of other work as well. Um, you know, that's 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 not quite right in my mind. I think you either disqualify all of it or you don't disqualify or you disqualify none of it. Oh, but then where do you stop? You can't take a picture of that because that's somebody built that. You can't take a picture of that. That's a car that somebody made. That's somebody else's artwork. You well, end it up depends with- on if there's anything else happening in that frame, doesn't it? You yeah. know, you can take a picture of a car and make it, you know, it can be about the lighting, it can be about the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the different angle, whatever. But this was about but taking the lighting. A, painting of a, a picture of a painting, yeah. effectively. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the competition. Garrett, were you being a bit of a tinker with this? Were you thinking, oh, I'll get them? I don't know. I mean, it really is a tough one. I can see, I can see both sides of the story, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, I think if he's going to, uh, he or she is going to disqualify that, then, yeah, it should probably disqualify the other stuff as well. But the picture that Garrett put up, I can tell that he's put effort into the, you know, because this would have been a colour photograph, a colour painting. He's put effort into the monochrome editing. Yeah, uh, He's thought about the composition of the tree that he's taken the picture from behind. You know, all of that kind of stuff makes it his, his own work in my mind. So I think that the judge has been a little bit single-minded, um, narrow-minded perhaps in not looking at the greater picture, if that makes, that none of that made any sense. Basically, mm. I'm on your side, Garrett. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't enter. I I I think you're going to have to think about um about how open-minded judges. Are. Isn't it terrible that you have to think about what the judge may think instead of making a picture because you think it's good? I think there's always a danger with competitions, though, and you see this with judging all the time, don't you, Kev? Mm. You really yeah. do, and and I mean, so many really powerful, potent images in, in terms of news would never uh, things that win major news awards which are not perfect pictures in any way would never win a local camera club award would they no um and and, you know looking at garrett's picture in more detail i've just blown it up on my screen then you know that it's definitely not just a picture if if that was the only thing in this in the scene then slightly different but but it's not you know there's 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 trees there's shadows there's shapes that are 
not part of the painting, but a part of the photograph. So, yeah, um, you know, I'm not saying necessarily that it, it you know, would have deserves to be the winning picture, but you've not seen any of the others, but it doesn't mm. deserve to be disqualified no, in no, my mind. No, no, Just don't, don't disqualify stuff. Just don't make it the winner. These grand statements sometimes made by judges. Just don't, look, just don't make it the winner. So well, that's nice. Yeah, well done. But, but vote, vote for something else. Moving on, Leon Lewis. Hello, Kev. Hello, Neil. Now, this is a little bit wedding-centric as well, but sometimes these shows... I feel like we have to do a disclaimer on this, Kev, but he's at a crossroads in his life, this chap, and he sent this mail um, sort of three-quarters of the way through September. So he's thinking, what do I do? So we have to answer this question now. We should have done it last week. Hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. This is a bit of an advice question. I found out... At one o'clock on Monday 20th, so it is a couple of weeks ago, that I was being made redundant from my current job of 21 years. Blimey, that's a long time to have a job, isn't it, Kev? And then find out, you know, you're being mm. made redundant. I will be leaving at the end of the month from my job. Um, it's in a concrete factory, or not factory, concrete business. Not a huge problem, as I have several contacts, and maybe I could walk into a similar job with another company. The question is, though, I, I could look at going into wedding photography and set myself up with some of my redundancy money. Now, I know that you will say it's up to me what to do, <laughs> but I'm looking at what would be the best process to achieve this and what order. Website, self-employed, extra training, become a second shooter, yada, yada, yada. I shot my first wedding for a friend and I really enjoyed it. I'm at a crossroads in my life at 48. Oh, it goes back to that question of how old is, you know, how old is too old? 48 certainly isn't. And I have a great opportunity to do something I love as a job, but I tell you what, it scares the hell out of me. Any advice gratefully received? That's from Leon Lewis, who was the Fujicast 365 joint winner. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's this is a chicken and egg thing, isn't it? You know, you can't have a website without having any pictures. Nope. Um, you know, how do you get the pictures if you don't have a website to get the clients? And so the answer generally is second shooting. Um, so that's that's where you want to be aiming for, I think, initially, you know, try and get some, some shots. It doesn't have to be second shooting. It could be you know, reaching out to friends and families, um, you know, to do, you know, don't be afraid to do things for free right at the very beginning. Yeah. But what I will say is whatever you do, don't do stuff for free or cheap for people you do not know. So don't go onto Facebook, for example, and say, I'm a new photographer. I want to do, get into weddings. I'm willing to do a couple for free. That will just end up in pain. Friends of friends, people that you actually know will is as far as I would encourage you to, to stretch that offer. Do that. Yeah. Get, get yourself some shots, um, get the website up, social media and, uh, yeah, get on the, is it, is it worth with the rest of us? Is it worth, yeah. Is it worth that he's talking about the fact that he could maybe get a similar job for a little while, do that alongside it to try and try and run both in your, in your life for a little while? Yeah. Well, of course, why not? A lot of people do that. Don't you? a lot of people have, to, have a day job yeah. and a, and a particularly this job time. on the, particularly this on the time. other side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing you've got to consider with that is given the, the 48 years old, perhaps there's family around all that kind of stuff. And, you know, if you do get to the situation where the wedding photography takes off, then you absolutely need to be ready to step back from the, the day job, especially if it's a manual job. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't want to be looking. I don't know. I mean, it might be a concrete marketing manager. I don't know. But you, whatever. Nine to five job and then shooting weddings on the weekend is is tricky for a certain age demographic, especially if you've got family kicking around. Yeah, I think it's the family. I think physically you can do it easy. But um, but what, what are the family? say the family fully supportive if they are then yeah do it do it do it 
And that's it for another week. Thank you. Um, if you can share the episode on Twitter or on Facebook, you are absolutely a star. Um, see you in the Facebook group for any questions you have about today's show. Play nice, of course. Our moderators, Steve and Peter, who left a question earlier, are in there. Um, if you'd like to send a question in, there's two ways to do it. There is a, a thread, isn't there, Kev? How do they do it on Facebook, Kev? Top, top pin thread, top questions pin thread. for the show thread. Yeah. And, of course, Patreon. You can, uh, If you're a Patreon member, you'll get bumped to the front. <laughs> Don't start. If you're lucky. Don't start that again. Um, and also you can send them in by email to click at fujicast.co.uk Music- or you could write us a letter oh, yeah. in the post where do they send the letter though Kev what's the address send them, well you can send it to my studio on my yeah. website you can send it to well, Neil yeah, probably no, on his website well, anyway studio, if it's yeah. got stuff in it yeah. send it to me if it's just a letter send it to Neil Oh, mind you, I did get those beers a while back, didn't I? I was very surprised. I thought, usually, this is the sort of thing that turns up with Kev. I never get this. I thought, it must be a mistake. (laughs) But but there we go. So, um, thank you um, for joining us this week. Music from Blue Wednesday. Supporting music, as ever, from the incredible Artlist.io. Thank you to Peter Dench. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. UK. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.